630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. On the National Hockey League scoreboard, two games in the second period. Bruins and Minnesota tied 2-2. Senators trailing the Blue Jackets 3-1. Coming up in an hour, the tentacle team takes on the Lightning and the Flames meet the Devils. The Flames get Kali Yarncroft from Seattle for three draft picks. Ben Sherratt goes from Montreal to Florida for draft picks and a prospect, two draft picks, and a prospect uh, 50% salary retained in both those deals. So the trade's starting. We had Josh Manson a couple of days ago, two tonight. They both happened right around the time Inside Sports was starting, and uh, we'll see what else happens in the days to come. We got a trade deadline special here on 6.30, Chet. 11 a.m. Monday with my good buddy Bob Stoffer hosting, and uh, it's the extended edition of Oilers now. And then we got a game that night. Uh, busy time here for the Oilers tomorrow. Saturday matinee. Remember, that game starts at 1 against the New Jersey Devils. Road games Monday and Tuesday of the next four. Coming up, you can get in touch. On the hotline presented by CertainTeed, 780-496-0063. CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way, 780-496-0063. Follow me on Twitter if you're so inclined, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I don't tweet a lot. When I do, it's usually Oilers and Elks news. Maybe the occasional Def Leppard tweet along the way, but that's about it. And you can email the show, Inside Sports at 630Ched. Dot com. Get the uh, podcast wherever you get your podcast. We're low on canned hams. We gave out so many in the last couple of years. If you sign up for the podcast, I will come to your house and I will compliment your pet. And I, w- I will personalize the compliment. So I'm not just going to go up to you know Rufus and say, good dog, Rufus. I will find out something unique about Rufus. Or, or, you know, your cat, Mark Wart, or whatever he's named, your, you know, your, your budgie named Bill, and I will give a warm personal compliment to your pet if you sign up for the podcast. How's that, Kellen? That's our latest initiative. Interesting. <laughs> Kel, is, Kel is disgusted by most things I say, everybody, just to let you know there. So it's, it's, it's very akin almost to... Uh, I will compliment your pet. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good <laughs> Like how you got that so quickly. That's amazing. <laughs> that was I, I I don't know what other uh production company shows that production company did, but I remember wasn't that sit Ubu sit at the end of every episode of Family Ties? Yes, that's uh the production company that put out Family Ties, so there you go. But it wasn't Ubu, called sit. sit. Good dog. It was called something else, wasn't it? Uh Ubu Productions. Oh, it was actually Ubu Productions. Yeah, so was, the, and they named a the production company after the dog. So if Ubu's your dog, I'll be like, Ubu, you did a great job in those television spots. Good work. Compliments like that. Warm, personalized compliments for you. Like, don't fool yourself. I'm not going to spend a lot of time at your house. I mean, I'm in and out. Compliment the animal, then I'm going home. But still, you'll get a, your your animal will get a nice compliment. I was just going to say dog at first, but your pet. Whatever it is, except your tarantulas. I'm not doing tarantulas. If you have, a oh, pet you're not a reptile guy. That okay. Is, well, tarantulas aren't reptiles. <laughs> they are an insect. I think insect, they would right. be arachnids. <laughs> you're thinking of a Gila monster. I think that would be a reptile. Yes. Oh, Kellen, you are a beautiful man. I love working with you. <laughs> I never know what you're going to say next. I hope you feel the same about me. Uh, so anyway, I will not do tarantulas. That's where I draw the line. 
Oil Kings and Blades scoreless about two and a half minutes into the first period. Oilers and Sabres tomorrow. Mike Smith's going to be in goal. And uh, he was asked about having some recent games that didn't go that well. Honestly, like I said, not really focused on on any of that. I'm just worried about trying to do my job the best of my capabilities. If I do that, we'll give the team a chance to win. And even in the games that, you know, the past games that I've been in, they've been close games. You know, some weird bounces and some goals that are going in that are good good goals. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. But saying that, you want to... You want to, you know, make some big saves at important times in games for your team, and and uh, hopefully I'll do that tomorrow. Been a very difficult season for Mike Smith. Injuries. He only has five wins and fifteen appearances. I, I think his focus, and even what Koskinen said the other day when he spoke, what happens between now and and the end of the season, whenever that is, that's that's what they're focused on. Mm-hmm. They can't change what's happened in the past. There was uh, the mess up behind the goal last night between Koskinen and Smith. Uh, I asked Jay Woodcroft about that play. It's a situation we, if we had a chance to to do it over, I think we'd like to have that one back. But it's a hockey's a game of mistakes, and uh, that was a mistake that was made. It's not on one person; it's on all of us. And um, can we be better in that situation? Yeah. And I think the way you you get better is by recognizing uh, the different options that might uh, have been used in that situation. Uh, you make sure that everybody gets on the same page and then you drill it and practice. And that's what um, we did today. The uh, Koskinen and Keith involved in that play. I think I thought Koskinen and Smith, the orders did not have two goalies on the ice at the same time. Some games, maybe you wish they would have. Uh, so anyway, yeah. And, and Kelly Rudy said it, maybe, maybe Koskinen just needs to leave the puck or just stop it and get back in the net because the things seem to go wrong when he comes out, shoots the puck over the glass, handles it in the no zone, you know, some giveaways like last night, like last week in Chicago. So some things to, to work on there. Woodcroft also commented on uh, Koskinen and Smith, uh, how it's going to be handled down the stretch here. We need 23 players. And uh, part of that is is making sure you're getting contributions up and down the lineup from everybody. Um, there's room for contributions and room for quality play from everybody. And our goaltending situation is no different there. We are going to need everybody as we head down the stretch here and, and, uh, we're confident in. So Smith in goal tomorrow hasn't played in a week and a half since the loss to the Montreal Canadiens. And he was ill and missed a couple of games. Skinner was the backup and then he's backed up Koskinen in the last two games. Pugliarvi healthy. He's going to play tomorrow, and he was right back into the top six today on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman, which bumped Ryan McLeod down. So he was with uh, Josh Archibald and Zach Cassian. So Brad Malone was the extra forward at practice today. So uh, I asked Woodcroft as well about putting Pugliarvi right back into the top six and McLeod going down. Jesse's a top six player. You know, uh, we want to get him up and running. I think that's the makings of a good line, a big, hard, heavy, cycle-driven line. And Ryan McLeod's still going to get his minutes. He plays on both special teams, and he's a real versatile player that can be moved around the lineup. I feel good um, putting him in any type of situation. So he'll get his minutes, and I think anytime you're returning some healthy uh, healthy bodies to the lineup, it's a it's a good problem for coaches to have. 
Chris Russell's going to play tomorrow. Philip Broberg goes to the farm. Tyler Benson placed on waivers. Those are your news and notes from Oilers practice today. Uh, more on your team. Also more on your university team as they got the Canada West final this weekend. And when we get back, one of the all-time great curlers, Briar Champ, Brad Gushu. I've already had one person uh, send in a picture of his dogs uh, signing up for the podcast and looking for compliments. So we're off and running with that promotion. I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports the current Briar champion, Skip Brad Gushu. Brad, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, good. Just uh, recovering from a long week of curling. I want to start there. I've talked to several skips, well, not just skips, several curlers over the years who have taken part in the Briar and the level of competition and how tense a lot of the games are and and what an incredible grind it is. Take me through, and you guys obviously have another angle, which I'm going to get to, but just, just Briar week. I I mean, when you step out of it, is it kind of like, Oh man, I I didn't realize what a pressure cooker I was in or tell me about that. Yeah. It's a long week. Like you're playing 11 or 12 games in, in a short period of time. Most of those games are, are tight. There's obviously a few where uh, you get a little bit of a weaker team, but for the most part, it, it is high pressure. Um, you know, everybody gets geared up year in, year out for the briar and, and wants to play their best. So, the, you know, the pressure's high. And, and certainly this week for us, uh, or this past week for us, was even more pressure with, uh, with some of the situations that we had to face. All right. Well, how's Mark doing? Uh, Mark's doing good. Um, I think he actually came home today or is on his way home today, which is, which is good. He's, uh, he's got through the the symptoms. He had a couple of rough days, but he's feeling really good now. And now it's just a matter of getting, getting the energy levels back to a hundred percent and, and getting home, which he's excited about. So tell me about those moments, finding out that he had COVID, he wasn't going to be able to play. I know you've dealt with, a. A lot of high pressure situations, and I know you're great at handling those. But did you have an oh my god moment, or what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, there there was a little uh, a little bit of panic there because uh, you know there was concern, I guess, for for the rest of us as well whether we would test positive or uh, you know we were to be honest, I, I think one of the best teams that had taken all the extra measures to make sure we kept ourselves safe as far as wearing a mask and distancing. And we stayed in separate rooms, you know, all, all kinds of different things that we did to, to avoid it. And unfortunately it, it, it still got us And um, you know, the, the, the worry was if another one of us tested positive, we're out of the event. Uh, so the stress level became high every morning you'd wake up and, just hoping you didn't have some symptoms and making sure the test came back negative, you know, that added some stress. And, um, you know, certainly when a, a player of Mark's caliber goes down or, or any player, to be honest, on a, on a team when you're playing at the Briar uh, goes down, you, you think your chances are are pretty well gone. And and we felt like, like that was the case. I think, uh, you know, I've said before, I, I felt like we had a great chance to win uh, before Mark got sick. And when he got sick, it probably... You know, I was feeling like, okay, we got a 1% chance at best of winning this. But, you know, we found some magic and, and got some breaks. And, 
you know, it all fell into place. Um, you know, that's the only way to explain it because what we did was uh, still pretty mind blowing from my perspective. I never thought a team with three could, could win three games at the Briar. So I know there are some obvious answers to this question, but I want to ask it anyway, because maybe the answer isn't obvious or maybe there's some subtlety here that you can tell me about, but what was the biggest adjustment to playing with three guys? Oh, I don't know if there's one thing, but I, there were so many, I, I think the, you know, the guys had to Jeff and Brett in particular, I had to play different positions. I think for me, you know, I had to make sure I managed the game properly where, you know, they were still playing to their strengths because in, in a lot of situations, you know, they're not playing shots that we really practiced or, or worked on. And it is very, very tiring and, and energy consuming playing with three players because you have to do more. You have to make up for, you know, what you lost. And, and you know, it, it's just, it's tough. <laughs> it really is tough. You just can't be as precise because, with one sweeper, you can't take the rock as far as you can with two, or you can't, you know, curve it or keep it straight as well as you can with two sweepers. So, you know, you can't be as precise. So it changes your whole game plan in, in the way you call the game. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that I found the biggest challenge me personally was I like, you know, I like to be aggressive when the time is right to be aggressive, but with three players, there was never really a good time. <laughs> you know, we, we had to be really, really picky uh, about their situations that we, we played uh, aggressive. Did, did any of your mixed doubles experience help? Because there's only one sweeper there or sometimes none where you got to run up and sweep your own stone. Yeah, no, no doubt it did. I, I think for me personally, it had no impact. Like my experience, you know, I was still, my role was probably the, I, I experienced the least change. I think I just had to adjust to, to making sure the guys were playing to their strengths, but um, Jeff and Brett obviously had to get up and, and try and sweep their own rock at times or, or were sweeping on their own so they could shift from side to side. So the experience that they had in mixed doubles definitely was an advantage. And, and looking back on it, I think, you know, as, as far as any team in the world, we were probably best equipped to, to handle that because of the experience that Jeff and Brett had at mixed doubles. Brad Gushu joining us tonight on Inside Sports, won the Briar on uh, the weekend. I mean, you're up to four championships as a skip. I believe that uh, ties the record for most as a skip. What does it mean to you to hear your your name up there? Like, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awesome to be up there with guys like Kevin Martin and Ernie Richardson. But I think the more the one that I'm most proud of is, is we won all four of them as a team. And there's only been one other team that have won four together. And, and that's Randy's Verbies team. So um, to be in that list, that's, uh, that's pretty cool because it, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to win Briars and, and to win four like we did in a, in a six year stretch, you know, that's something I'm pretty proud of. And, and I think, uh, you know, I could say this without, sounding too arrogant or, or confident, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll go down as one of the greatest teams to, to have ever played. And, and uh, you know, our record, you know, warrants that comment. And um, you know, that's something I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair way to say it for sure. Uh, I believe you're the first wildcard team to win. And there's been a lot of discussion about that format, provincial representation. Um, you know, I was talking to Dave Netto when, last week just about uh, the, the the format and uh i do hear some fans find it a little confusing with the pools and then how do the the play downs work is is that a fair discussion is this a fan-friendly format anymore 
I don't think this year was very friendly or last year, but there's some pretty big circumstances that came into play in the last two years. And that's, that's COVID. I think, you know, they made the ad, they added the extra wildcard teams to because teams couldn't play provincials and teams couldn't play on tour as much. So you, you want to give teams a chance to compete and a chance to, to try and win a briar and not be impacted because, you know, they couldn't play because of COVID. So the last two years, you know, I'm going to give curling Canada the benefit of the doubt and, and hopefully next year we can get back to a, a more similar format or maybe make some adjustments that are a little bit more fan friendly. And, you know, there's two things that I think are tough with the format. Number one, if, if you're a casual fan, it's, it's a little confusing to figure out. And then two, which I think is the most important part, some of the games get pretty lopsided with 18 teams. You know, there's, there's five, six teams in there that are not very competitive and it's no fun for us as athletes to play a game that gets very lopsided. Um, and certainly as a fan, it's not fun to watch that either. You, you want to watch those battles between, you know, us and Cooey or, or Colton flash playing Matt Dunstone. Like those are the games that are, that are exciting to watch and, and are entertaining for the fans. So that's something I think we have to look at as well. Have you curled in Vegas before? I think they've had other big events. Have you curled in Vegas before? Yeah, I have actually. I think this is going to be it's a, at least my third time, if not my fourth time. And, and uh, you know, there's there's some fun parts to it. Obviously, you can go down and play some golf and maybe catch a show and, and do some other stuff. Um, but then there's some downsides to it. It's, there's, there's a lot of distractions. Um, the ice is typically you know, okay. I won't say it's bad. I, I won't say it's good either. Um, you know, it's a challenge to make ice when it's 30 degrees outside. So, um, we know that we're not going to get the ice conditions that we had in Lethbridge. So that's something we have to adjust for. And, and then, uh, we're taking a little different approach this year. We're, we're not staying in the hotel where the, um, or it looks like we're not going to stay in the hotel where the, uh, the event has taken place. I think we're going to rent a house and kind of get away from some of those distractions that we experienced. Cause we actually played the world championship there four years ago. And it was a real challenge for us because it, it just felt like we could never get away from the event. And uh, even when you go for dinner, you know, there was fans and people around and it always felt like you're at the venue. So um, I think we're, we're making the right decision this year and, and hopefully it pans out for us. Okay. Well, we wish you all the best, Brad. Again, congratulations. An incredible week of curling and what you guys worked through and uh, and won through is, is pretty incredible. And I think it's going to be remembered for a long time. So all the best at Worlds coming up. And I know it's uh, been really busy, so I appreciate you fitting us in here on Inside Sports. No, th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.